Today we're going to be talking about how I'm influential for God's glory. Next week we're going to be we're going to be discussing how I'm invested into God's kingdom. And so I encourage you to really press in, lean in. We've even got small group talks that are going all around these topics to help you dive into this a little bit more in dialogue. I don't believe you should just hear a sermon, but you should apply a sermon. A lot of times we can come in and hear one thing, but we don't apply it. And we wonder why our life is in chaos and we wonder why God's not moving. It's because the word that he already shared, we're not applying that word. And we're asking God for another word when he already gave you one word. And you just need to act on that word. If you have your Bibles, turn with you, turn with me to John chapter four. See if anybody sets the example. John chapter four. We're going to start in verse one. It says this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize him, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I've already given you my title, but I want to talk to you today on I'm influential God's glory. I'm influential. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person that is in this room or under the sound of my voice watching this from the other side of a screen. God, I pray that we would encounter you today, that you would refresh us with your word. God, that you would show yourself to us in a way that maybe we haven't experienced in a long time or maybe we've never experienced. And God, those who are far from you, God, would receive your grace and your hope your salvation in you, Jesus. So Lord, speak to us. Let us see what you want to say. Let your word jump out off the page to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're grateful for them. All the huggers are having freak out moments right now. All the non-huggers just got their cup filled like feel all warm and fuzzy and some of you feel icky and ooey. It's all good. Um, how, many do you, how many of you would consider yourself an influencer? Raise your hand. An influencer. Some of you are not really sure if you want to raise your hand. An influencer. How many of you know what that term means? 
So let me ask you another question. Have you ever been influenced to do something? Like whether good or bad, crazy or good, like you've been influenced by someone, something. My wife has had this happen not too long ago. Um, we were driving in the car just a while back, and all of a sudden, as we were driving, she just yells to me. I mean, yells. I mean, she talks loud anyway because she's deaf in her left ear. She really is, so she yells. People think that I yell at her in the store, and I'm not abusive. I just have to get her attention because she can't hear me. So if you ever hear me yelling her name, now you know she's deaf, literally. So you'll notice I always stand on her right side because her right ear is the right ear. That's the good ear. Anyway, a little fun fact. Now you know. But we were in the car and she yelled at me and obviously she sits in the passenger side because like any man I drive, I don't let her drive because I fear for my life when she drives and she also does fear for my life when, or for her life when, she, when I drive. But anyway, I'm, I'm the man and I'm gonna drive the car and I also get car sick if you didn't know that. Really bad. I was rocking my kid yesterday and almost threw up because I was rocking him in a chair working on my sermon and I got motion sickness. It is ridiculous. I need help. If you're a doctor and you can cure it, call me. Um, it's horrible. It's really true. I fly in a plane and I'm telling you, I tell the person next to me, you got the vomit bag because it might happen. They want to move immediately. So I was, uh, we were in the car and, and we were going down the road and all of a sudden she just, she yells at me and she said, hey, give me the credit card. I said, why? She said, just give me the credit card. Don't ask questions. And I'm like, I'm going to ask questions when you ask for the credit card. So my mom's saying, no, Shh, it's my sermon, mom. It's my sermon. I love you. She has her own card, but she didn't want to get it out of her purse, and it's easier for me. And anyway, she yells, give me the credit card. And I said, okay. And, and so I, I give her the card. And next thing I know, we became a brand new owner of a curling iron that some girl started talking about that was this like best thing since sliced bread. Like I had no idea. Next thing you know, this rose gold curling iron showed up at our doorstep and we were the new owners of a curling iron. I don't need it. She needs it. But she was influenced in a moment to buy something. It was, it was insane. All it took was one person saying, you should buy this. And she bought it. Needless to say, we had a discussion after that moment, you don't have to buy everything that someone says you should buy. But you know what I come to find is all it takes is a moment of need. Like she was looking for one. Honestly, she needed one. And she, hers was broken. She needed another. But you know that in a moment of need, you have to be really careful who, who you open up. You allow it to influence you because in a moment of need, you can jump in something that may not be what you really know or really should do. I believe with all my heart today. I truly believe that each and every one of us are called to be an influencer. We're called to be an influencer. The truth is, everyone is. Whether you want to be, would like to be, think you are or not, you're an influencer. Because you are influencing someone. And you have no idea how one conversation, how one word of encouragement, how one expression of love might change someone's entire life. You never know. 
all the people earlier when I asked the question, are you an influencer that didn't raise your hand? The reason because is because you're thinking of what culture has 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 defined an influencer to be. Because the truth is culture has hijacked the word influencer. And did you know in my research as I was looking up what the word influencer means, did you know that an influencer is this? It is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of an authority and knowledge of something or a relationship to their audience. Really? That's it? Someone who has the power to influence someone to buy something. That's really what the definition of an influencer is. Because as I think about that, when I was growing up, before social media even existed, when we had to dial up on AOL and you had to hear all these weird sounds, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like all these things. Some of y'all are like, what? I didn't know that you had to dial up. What's dial up? Back in my day, an influencer was a coach, a teacher, a good parent, a pastor, a mentor. That was an influencer, a Sunday school teacher. That, that's, that's what the definition of an influencer. But today, as you look at it, today it's celebrities. It's people who, have, who are considered thought leaders. People who are, are, are just saying things online, people that are content creators. That's the now the definition of an influencer. You know, as I began to look up more and more, trying to find articles that would define anything other than just what the social media is saying today an influencer is, I gave up because I could not find anything that would talk about how an influencer is like a mentor in your life or a coach or a teacher. It wouldn't, you couldn't hardly find it. I finally just gave up. Now, I believe that we need to reclaim the word influencer in the body of Christ. I really do. And I believe that all of us need to see ourselves as an influencer. How God can use you with one word. One word. One smile. One expression. You are an influencer. There's a scripture in Matthew 513 that talks about how you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt purifies. Salt preserves. Salt provides some flavor because God knows we need flavor. Why don't you turn your name and say, you salty. And turn to your second choice that you really would love to say it to and say, you extra salty. Like my sodium level goes up just by looking at you. Some of y'all saying that to your spouse right now. You're like, you just too salty. Just too salty. But it says you are the salt of the earth. Says you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. I believe we need to shift our mindset and how we think about the word influence. 
Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm very grateful. There's a lot of friends that I have. There's a lot of people that I know that are influencers, and I believe they're doing some great things. I'm not saying if you're an influencer, that is a bad thing. Not at all. We need positive influence in our social media. We need people shouting encouragement and love and grace and the message of Jesus. We need that. And you can do that while selling a product. That's cool. If that's how you make a living, God bless you. And I think that's great. I'm not saying that's bad. I'd love to be one one day, maybe. But like, here's my social media account. Let's just look at it for a minute. No posts. None. I think I need to work on it, but the problem is the current view of influence, many people believe, starts with the platform. But a true, the true meaning and true lasting influence doesn't start with the platform. It starts with people before the platform. Now, as we begin to think about this, I, I begin to think about the word influence and I begin to think who who started Skybreak Church? Does anybody know who started Skybreak Church? You would be right to say Pastor Danny and Janet. This is not complicated. It's literally title is called founding pastor, guys like this is easy. You would be right. They were inspired. They were influenced and God influenced them to start. Skybreak Church, 30, 35 years ago, 1987, May 3rd, that was the first church service in a living room. Like, that's, that's how it began. 89, we began on this property. Like, there, that's how it all began. So you would be right to say that it was Pastor Danny and Pastor Janet. But you would also need to understand that it wasn't just them. That actually, when he was nine years old, at a Sunday night church service, by a man named Brother Joe would take those boys that night as the altar call message began to be poured out and people were getting the opportunity to accept Jesus. Brother Joe walked up to an aisle where the kids were sitting in their row and said, come on, boys, we're going down to the altar. Took those boys to the altar, one of them being Pastor Danny, and at nine years old, he gave his life to Christ. So you could also say that Brother Joe influenced Pastor Danny at age nine, which then long term ended up going to him beginning Skybreak Church. You would also say at age 15, you would be right to also say that at nine it happened, but also at age 15, he was at a church service where a supernatural moment took place and a man named John Burke, who was a former Aggie, by the way, something good. I'm just kidding. But he was a former Aggie and John, a man by the name of John Burke was standing right next to him when he was 15 years old and God began to speak to him in a supernatural moment to tell him that he was going to pastor a church one day. So you could also say that by sitting in that moment and by the encouragement of a man named John Burke, that he was also influenced that day. You would also be able to say that at age 17, he came to a place called Bryan, Texas and preached his first revival. 45 years ago this weekend. This weekend. We talked about that this week. At 17 years old, preached his first tent revival in Bryan, Texas, and then nine years later felt called to come back to BCS and began a church. So you could say that by coming to this place and being influenced by the city, God's helped speak to him to say, this is where you're going to reach my people. And you would be right to say that all these things influenced 
him to do this. But it actually goes beyond that. Because before that, there was actually a man named Pastor Goodrose, who was a church that they were a part of when he was growing up, that, that influenced my grandfather to move to Spring, Texas, and begin a church which this February would be 50 years ago. So you could go on to say that because my grandfather was influenced to begin a church, that that also influenced his son being in church at 9 and 15 and going on a revival in 17. You would also be right to say that 50 years ago, there was an inspiration and an influence from someone encouraged him. Pastor Goodrose, you should, you should begin a church in Spring, Texas. But even before that, let's go a little further. You could even go back to say as far as when my grandfather was 18 years old, living at home, working night shifts as an adult, would go to work on Saturday night and not get off of work till 5.30 on Sunday morning, go home, go to bed, and his mother, my great-grandmother, would wake him back up at around 7 or 7.30 in the morning and say, if you can go work all night, guess what? You're definitely going to be coming to church. That's your choice. You chose that job. You chose, chose to work nights, and guess what? You're going to do all that. You can, you're still coming to church. I don't care who you are. You're living in my house. You're coming to church. So you could say that my great-grandmother began the spark of influence that because of her, all this influence began to take place because she put her son in the right environments to be influenced by the, for the call of God on his life, which then he put his son, which was Pastor Danny, in the right environments and to be able to be influenced in his life. And so we're here today because of an influence of a great-grandmother. I'm here today. Because of a great grandmother. You got to understand that influence isn't always instant. Influence is not always obvious. And just because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean the seed didn't take root. How would my grandmother, my great grandmother would have known? She would have never known the seed of telling an 18 year old boy, a man, an adult who had his own decisions. You're going to come to church. I don't care if you just got off at 530 in the morning, you're coming to church. And I want to tell you today, you have no idea how one conversation. You have no idea how one word of encouragement, you have no idea how one expression of love might change someone's life. You never know. You never know. There's one story in Scripture that I want to kind of talk about today because there's a moment where we, we see this woman in John chapter four, a woman who no one would have thought would ever, ever have an influence. She would not be your typical person that you would want to follow after. Let me give you some context on this trip. You have Jesus who is just finished some work. He's on a trip. And normally back in the day when Jews were going back to their hometown, there was a place called Samaria that they would literally go around, even though it was a faster route to go through the city. They despised the Samaritan people so much because they were half Jew and half Gentile that they would not even go through it. They would avoid it. They would go around it. But somehow and for some reason, Jesus that day decided we're going to go through Samaria. Now, Samaritans were considered like less than humans. They were considered dogs, lower than dogs. It's horrible. 
And so Jesus goes through this town called Samaria and he sits at a well. And while he's sitting at a well, the Samaritan woman came to draw some water and Jesus just asks a question. Would you please give me a drink? And we pick up the scripture in John chapter four, verse nine. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me to drink like we don't associate Jesus like this is not supposed to happen. Jesus replied. If only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Then the conversation goes on. She's like, but you don't even have a bucket. Like you asking me for you don't even have a bucket to draw the water with. This well is deep. How how are you going to get living water? Like, what does this even mean? How, how can I have living water? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. And so she's like, well, that's cool. If I don't ever have to come back out and get some more water, then give me a drink. How, how can I get this living water? And Jesus responds to her and he says, well, then go and get your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And then Jesus goes, you certainly spoke truth there. You're right. So she responds, sir. You must be a prophet. Because how would you know? All that about me. Now, what you got to understand is this woman, no, no Jew would ever want to interact with her. But yet Jesus dignifies her. He gives her the time of day. He gives her a moment to talk with someone who no one would want to talk to. No one wanted to be around. She was a bad influence to a lot of people that they would see in their eyes. She was an outcast in her own society. You've got to understand the magnitude of the person that Jesus is sitting at a water well with. No one wanted to be around her. She was a complete outcast. In our day, to be married five times, it would probably raise an eyebrow. In that day, to be married five times, you would be completely shunned. No one would want to associate with you whatsoever. But Jesus doesn't see this woman as an immoral woman. He sees her as a miracle waiting to happen. And I think that many of us need to take a lesson from Jesus because I believe many of us need to stop looking at people with the stank eye and start seeing them as a miracle waiting to happen. Because do you understand that this is how Jesus sees you? This is how he looks at you. A miracle waiting to happen. So this woman is, is she's thirsty. She's thirsty physically, she's thirsty spiritually, and she's thirsty relationally. She's craving attention. She's had five husbands. She's not living even with the sixth one. She's not even married to the one, the sixth one that she's living with. 
And she's living in this cycle of dysfunction. Over and over and over. So now it explains why she would bypass all the other close water sources to go to a source where she was hoping no one would be at. Why she even, if you read scripture, says that it was at noon, the hottest part of the day. You wouldn't normally go draw water at the hottest part of the day. That would be not smart. But yet this woman didn't want to draw any attention to herself because she knew she was an outcast. She knew that she was shunned. She knew that nobody wanted anything to do with her. And as she's talking to this Jewish boy, it starts to dawn on her. I've heard of this guy called a savior, the Messiah, who's supposed to be coming. Miracles. I've heard of a guy named Jesus who these miracles are being performed at this moment. She doesn't know he's Jesus. She just knows that he's a Jewish man. But because of the love that she was shared, she she begins to ask the question, why would this Jewish man offer me living water? Says the woman after having conversations with Jesus. And begin to talk to her and show her love and dignify her and who she was. It says that she immediately left her water jar there. It says she left her water jar beside the well. And after an interaction with Jesus. After a moment with Jesus. One moment. One word. After an encouragement with Jesus. It says that she went back and ran back. She didn't walk. I think it's key that it says that she ran back to the village telling everyone, the people who don't like her, the people who look down on her, the people who refuse to associate with her. She went back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And the Bible goes on to say, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. This woman gets an entire village, an outcast, a person that seems as if they were too far gone. And let me tell you, you're never too far gone to be reached. You've never laid eyes on someone that Jesus isn't madly in love with. And yet this messed up, Hurting, broken, immoral woman becomes an influencer immediately. Immediately. Immediately, she becomes an influencer, goes and tells this village, and they come streaming, Scripture says. Let me tell you something. You don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. You don't. You don't. Because it's a daily process. My life's not all together. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We're not perfect. And this woman who's facing all this goes and tells this village and says they came running and streaming. And while this woman was witnessing, the disciples showed back up. Now, remember, the disciples were going to get some food in the village. They were hungry. They come back to Jesus and like, hey, Jesus, we got you five guys. And as we were there, we were talking. They all been married to the same one. I didn't get that. She's been married to five guys in the five guys restaurant and 
Wow. It's coming around. She's there, and, and they come back and bring in food to Jesus. And like, Jesus, here, we got you some food. And he's like, the food that I live on is not basically food that you can offer. My food is to do the will of God. And they're like, what kind of, who brought him food? What kind of food is Jesus eating? But Jesus goes on to say, talks about and uses a farm analogy. And he says that the fields are ripe for harvest. In other words, there's people ready to be reached. But in his next comment says, but the laborers, the influencers are few. The ripest harvest, the harvest is ready. It's there. The laborers are few. The influencers are few. People are ready to receive the message of Jesus. They don't even know it. There's no one going to influence them. And scripture goes on to say, in verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of the woman. Because of the messed up, broken, hurting, shunned, outcast, no one wanted to affiliate woman. Because she said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. One woman. One sinner. One person who needed Jesus has an encounter, a moment. And influences an entire village. And because of her faith and understanding in Jesus, and one word to say, come and see. I don't have it all together. I still am messed up. But you need to come and see this man. I wonder how many of us go into our workplace and just say, you just got to come and see. How many of us walk into our world today and just tell people, you just got to come and see. Who did God use in that moment? Not an Instagram star. Not a celebrity. It's a woman whose name we have no idea who it is. A woman who was searching for love in all the wrong places. And I want to remind you again, you don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. I remember growing up in my life where Time and time again, I can remember people that used to say words over my life. They would encourage me with words on things that I didn't even know to believe for myself. That happened in church, by the way. Let me tell you, parents, you need to get your kids involved in church around the right people with godly values. There's people in my life, some I'll never remember their name, but I remember how they made me feel. Many people will never remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Those people helped influence the call of God that was on my life, and they encouraged me in a way that pulled it out of me. One person after one person after one person. 
And when you listen to someone who is hurting and you offer to pray for them, you're influencing. You are. When you listen to someone and you hear their cry and you offer to pray, that's influence. When you invite someone to church, when you text someone a Bible verse, when you repost a sermon clip on your Instagram to share the message of Jesus, when you give something to someone in need, you have no idea how one conversation, how one word of encouragement, you never know what that person needed to see in that moment and how one expression of love could change their entire life. You are an influencer. You are an influencer. Tell your neighbor, you're an influencer. And let me tell you something, I've lived this my whole life, and I was recently reminded of this again last year, and that is this. You can never go wrong with generosity. You can never go wrong with generosity, no matter what people may say. If you know you were generous, no, it doesn't matter. You can never go wrong with generosity. You can never go wrong for extending the love to someone that nobody else wanted to love. You can never go wrong for it. You can never go wrong by calling that person that nobody really wants to talk to, but you say, hey, I'm here to listen. You can never go wrong with generosity. You can never go wrong by offering to something to someone in need. You can never go wrong with generosity. You can never go wrong with generosity. And I want to tell us today, do not let culture's definition rob us of God's calling to be an influencer. And let me tell you, if you know Jesus, then you are salt and you are to be light. And you need to let the salt do what it does. And you need to let the light do what it does. Because God has, has designed you, he has created you to influence others to the love of Jesus. He's influenced you to do that. He's set you and he's created you. Why don't we just give Jesus some praise today? He's called you to be an influencer. every head bowed for a moment and eyes closed in this room. Maybe there are some of you today that are like the Samaritan woman. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. That you're in need of the living water that Jesus is offering water that you will never thirst for again. Living water is experiencing the life to the full, and we say it around here to capture the extraordinary life that God has for you. God has a purpose for your life. And I want you to know something. Jesus is here today, and he's come to offer you. He's sitting at the well, and he's come to offer you living water. He's come to offer you salvation. He's come to offer you grace. He's come to offer you hope. He's come to offer you life and life to the full. And today is your day to receive the living water of Jesus. Today is your day to have a moment with God that can change your entire life. And that moment is simply by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I promise you, friend, he will turn your life around in ways you could never imagine.
And so if that's you today, if you're here and you're in, in need of Jesus, you say, I don't know Jesus and I've heard about this guy and I've been coming to this church or coming to church for a little while and I've come to understand that I need Jesus. I've tried living life on my own. I've tried doing things my own way. The life I'm living is not the life I want to live. And you want to hand your life over to Jesus, the one who wants to make all things new, the one who will allow you to experience grace and truth and hope and life. He's come to offer you that living water today. And if that's you today, or if you're a person in here that maybe you were living for God, and today someone invited you back, said, hey, come and see again. Maybe you've forgotten. But there's a God in heaven who loves you for you, who believes in you, and who sees you as a miracle waiting to happen. If you're one of those two groups of people today, I'd love to pray for you, and I'd love to pray with you. What I want to do is I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing, and that is when I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to call you to do anything other than I just want to know who I'm praying with today. And after we do that, I'm going to have you put your hands down and then we're going to pray a prayer together as one body. People who've prayed this prayer probably thousands of times are going to pray it in support of you. And then there's going to be people in this room that are going to pray this prayer for the very first time or they're going to pray it again to recommit their life. And there's going to be people all across through the other side of a screen going to be doing it with you. You're not alone today. If that's you and you're one of those two groups of people, when I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand with boldness and confidence. Say, I need Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up. Lift them up. I need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Front to the back. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them up just a moment more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You could put your hands down. I want us to pray a prayer together. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus raised or that God raised Jesus from the dead, it says that we will be saved. So we're going to pray that prayer today. I want us to repeat it out loud where our ears can hear it. Let's pray it in support of one another. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask you forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. I place my hope in you today. I place my faith in you. And I put my trust in you. Make me new. Wash me clean. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone shout a big amen. 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 Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate with every person. If you just made the decision to invite God into your life, we would love to know. You can text SCSAVE to 97000. That way we can help equip you with some next steps for you to take along this new journey. If this message was a blessing to your life and you'd like to help support Skybreak financially, you can give online using the Skybreak Church app. 
Well, hey, we would love for you to join us in person this upcoming Sunday morning at 9.15. But until then, we hope you have a great week and we will see you Sunday.